Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Identify this Missouri-born singer. Cheryl Crow. Oh, very good. That was too easy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Missouri thing. <laughs> I was, uh, this just reminded me. I went into um, find sponsor Pet Supplies Plus. Well, I may as well just tell you the story. I just shared the story with you in the studio, but let me <laughs> let me share the story. And if my wife is, is picking up my daughter right now, this would be a good time to turn, to turn the radio off. She says to me, now, my daughter has everything she needs, right? And we're kind of thinking about Christmas and everything. And um, she says to me, now, keep in mind, we have three cats, two dogs, and a fish. Uh-huh. And she says, now, my daughter just got this little, like, toy hamster. Right, and the toy hamster—it's like a stuffed animal. Oh, that's okay. all it is. That helps. But me. She, last night, because it was new, she wanted a little home for the toy hamster. Oh, right. Sure. So, Becky says, "I know you're not going to like this, but what? What if we get her? Because the boys had guinea pigs when they were little, right? Uh-huh. The, what if we get her a hamster?" And I said, "With three cats? Well, and a dog? I, I mentioned two. all that, but you know what? I, I did something in the in the spirit of Christmas, Sue. Mm-hmm. I did something very unusual. I didn't." Overreact. I'm like, okay, well, I, I see what you're going for. That's I what do I said. see what you're going for. I said, I see what for. you're going for, but I do too. let me ask Jeannie at Pet Supplies Plus. What did Jeannie say? So I called, I said, text Jeannie this morning. I said, hey, can you shoot me, you know, a call back? She calls back. I say, <laughs> she goes, are you out of your effing mind? That was the exact quote. That was the exact quote. Did she follow up uh, with a why? But uh, I no, mean, she's like, you got to clean the, no, everything no. she said made sense. You got to clean the cage every day, all this stuff. No, 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 no. no, no. I mean, no. let me, let me just assure the audience and you of, of this. That was kind of my reaction anyway, but for whatever reason, I didn't say that because I did have a little understanding for where she was going mm-hmm. with with the idea. But no, that's, um, that is not going to happen. I used so. to babysit when I was in high school for, a, a you know, a, a family that had uh, two hamsters and one had a gerbil and inevitably one would get out oh yeah and be running around the house and the dog would be yeah okay which the cats would love but when i when i was a kid i had gerbils and i don't know how it happened but those damn things got out all the time i remember searching through my whole house for the for the gerbils yes it was like a nightly event okay where's hey where's fred did he get out again and then we'd all have to go down to the living room somebody would have to hold the dog while we tried to find fred yeah you know what you know what becky said after that when i shot that down she goes, well, how about a parrot? She was kidding. Okay. That was a joke. That's pretty funny. I know. It was kind of funny. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> I appreciate that. So one. we'll keep you posted on. And these are all things that I'm discussing that we <laughs> well, would do as parents, right. not what Santa would bring. Of, of course. course not. Santa is separate, but yeah. mom and dad likes to get something for her as well. Hey, Rick Leventhal is going to come up here a little later this hour. He's a retired senior Fox News correspondent. He doesn't do this anymore, but he spent 35 years covering the world, and he wrote about it. When I say covering the world, like wars, Afghanistan, he was there on 9-11, a lot of big stories. His book is called Chasing Catastrophe, My 35 Years Covering Wars, Hurricanes, Terror Attacks, and Other Breaking News. Mr. Leventhal coming up a little bit later. Right now, though, Sean Spicer is back with us, Newsmax host, author, author rather, of Radical Nation. We're going to talk about a bunch of different issues. Mr. Sean Spicer, welcome back. Merry Christmas. How are you? Merry Christmas, Mark. Always good to be with you. It's great to have you back. You know, I was thinking about this because I knew you were coming up today, and I thought the last time that we visited was about a week before those midterms, and you and I were both relatively confident of the red wave. So let me start with that because the red wave did not manifest itself quite the way we had hoped. What's your theory on, on what happened? I think it's it's a bit complicated. There's not one thing, but what do you say? Well, first of all, I was in the Christmas spirit until you, until <laughs> Sorry. you threw Sorry. me back, Mark. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, look, here's what I'm going to tell you. And I think sometimes it, not everyone may agree with me on this, but like you said, number one, I agree with you. It's not as simple. There's no magic bullet. There's no one thing. There are several things. We uh, did not do well fundraising uh, candidate-wise. And candidate money matters more than anything else because they can buy by law the cheapest rate. Uh, advertisements by law. So an ad that might cost you or I or a super PAC $100 might cost a candidate 10 That's important. It's candidate dollars go further. Our candidates got blown out. Like you take New Hampshire, Don Bolduck raised just over $2 million. Maggie Hassan raised over $30 million. So no amount of outside help is going to make up a deficit like that. Number two, though, when you look, speaking of New Hampshire, at a state like New Hampshire where Chris Sununu won, as governor, by more than 15 points to the top of the ticket. And Don Bolduck lost by, what, six, seven points. You look at Georgia, every statewide office, governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, five statewide offices all won by more than five points on Election Day, and Herschel Walker lost. What does that start to tell you? You look at Ohio, where, yes, J.D. Vance won, but Governor Mike DeWine won by a very large amount, and J.D. Vance won, I think, by 5.3%. Point is, at the end of the day, candidates matter. The campaigns matter. The mechanics matter. And, you know, if you take Georgia and say, wait a second, every other statewide official won by more than five points and Herschel Walker lost by a point. That says to me that you had five people of different sort of backgrounds, if you will, meaning some of them are more conservative than others. Some of them, you know, ran better campaigns than others. They all won. So that means that somebody went out of their way to not vote for Herschel Walker and vote or to vote for Raphael Warnock in one way or another. One of those two scenarios occurred. Same thing in New Hampshire. And to some degree, not the same, in Ohio. And in Ohio, yes, I, I will give you, you know, Governor Mike DeWine, the, he's, he was an incumbent. He's been in office. He was uh, a senator and attorney general before that. So, I mean, there are some, there are some, some factors in here. But my point is this. At some point, you have to be willing to admit that some of our candidates did not do a good job and they did not raise the money and they did not run a good campaign. And I know some people don't want to hear that, but that's just the truth. And the evidence suggests that when you look at the the other people who ran on the same day with the same voters in the same state, if they won and you didn't, maybe it's you. (laughs) 
Well, and that's that's kind of where I am. But obviously, you know who uh, gets some of the criticism. I'd love your opinion on this. What about Ron McDaniel and Mitch McConnell? You know, they put their chips in. Look, we took care of business here in Missouri, by the way. We should point that out with Eric Schmidt. You know, Eric, I think he's going to be a great United States senator. But, you know, now and I can kind of wind this question into the calls for new leadership. Obviously, the Senate's not going to change over. But with the House, McCarthy doesn't have all the votes right now. How do you think all that's going to shape shape out? Or shake out. So, so, so let me just say this to your listeners before I get teed off on. I will explain. Not, I'm not endorsing. I'm explaining. Because a lot of times, you know, here, here's the thing. I spent six years in the RNC, so I am a little deferential to that. In, the, in a midterm election, the RNC's job is to raise money and to funnel it out to state parties for the National Republican Senatorial Committee and the National Republican Congressional Committee. That's it. They, they are responsible for turnout. The RNC doesn't pick candidates. They don't run commercials. So, again, go back to my examples of Georgia. Go back to the example of New Hampshire, even to some extent Ohio. The RNC got people out to vote. At some point, though, the candidate matters. You can't go out and just tell people like they're blind. That's what Democrats do. They vote blindly. Tell me who's on the ballot. I'll vote for John Fetterman. I don't care that he can't string a sentence together. I'm a Democrat. That's not how Republicans vote. At some point, they want to see a candidate that that they actually think can uh, fight for their policies, fight for what they believe in, fight for limited government. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, they didn't. But it, it, so so my question on the RNC thing, and I'm not here to, to make a full-throated defense of Ron McDaniel or anything, just to say, what did you think that they were supposed to do? What What is it? Because, if, again, look at the examples. They got five of these people over the finish line to turn out. They helped with it anyway. They helped pay for the data modeling that, that allowed the campaigns to go out there and target their voters. What What is their role supposed to be? Because at some point, you sound like a Democrat when you're like, it's somebody else's fault that I lost. Um, and that's what Democrats do. Um, when it comes to McConnell, look, I, I do I question some of the choices that they made in terms of where they spent their money? Yes. But at the end of the day, remember what I said, Don Bolduck in New Hampshire got outraised two million to thirty million. So do I think that McConnell should have stayed in longer, maybe? But at the end of the day, you know, he goes out and he raises that money, Mitch McConnell and his team. And then they have to make decisions about what who who you know where they're gonna put more or less in. And I know people were complaining at the end, oh, they should have done this and they should have done that. Again, with all due respect, I think we sound like Democrats. It's like here's what he should have done with his money the money that he raised. You know, do I agree with every decision that he made? Absolutely not. But I think that it's a cop-out to turn around and to blame everybody else. You know, Eric Schmidt ran a great race, and he won. Uh, You look at Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. He ran a great race. He raised money. He worked his tail off, and he won. Certain campaigns didn't do that. They sat back and said, I've got Donald Trump's endorsement. That's all I have to do. And my point is, is that, like, at some point – have an underst- we have to have an understanding as to what everyone's role is, and particularly what the role of the candidate in their campaign is. And I just I think a lot of these campaigns came up way short, and they want to blame everybody. I mean, they, they're literally the guy sitting at the all-you-can-eat buffet and saying, it's, it's your fault that I didn't lose weight. It's like at some point, you can't keep putting food in your mouth and blaming everybody else. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I, I think that was a great analysis, and I'm, I'm on the same page. How about on Kevin McCarthy? Because I, and I'd be someone who'd be all for new leadership, but the reality is there's not really a path, and how does that shake itself out with negotiations and concessions and all that, in your opinion? So, so here's where I come down to McCarthy. The House conference, 
had a had elections where anybody could run for any position, majority whip, majority leader, conference chair. There was a, a race Byron Donald's challenge to Lee Stefanik. Uh, there was a race for vice chair. One person challenged McCarthy, Andy Biggs of Arizona. He got 31 votes. McCarthy got the other 85 percent of them. There was a race. He won. If you don't like McCarthy, I, I get it. I'm not here to be Kevin's defender or whatever, but I'm going to tell you there was a race among the House conference, and Kevin won. He's raised a ton of money. He's put his neck on the line. It was Kevin McCarthy, by the way, that was running around the country raising money and putting it in seats that kept a lot of these seats in play that helped get a majority. And it wasn't just this cycle. He did it last cycle and the cycle before that's inched us closer and closer to a majority. I mean, in my personal opinion, has he earned it? Yes. But my point to the detractors is, is to say this. Who else? You had a race. Right. You got 31 votes. You lost. And right now, I've had Bob Good on my show. I've had Matt Gates. I've talked to Matt Gates. I've had, uh, you know, uh, uh, who else? A couple of the other guys, uh, Scott Perry. Um, and then you've got Rosendale from, um, uh, from Montana uh, and Ralph North, Ralph um, uh, uh, from uh, South Carolina. Um, sorry, it's my former governor here in Virginia. Um, but, but my answer to them is, okay, if you guys want to put somebody else up, tell me who it is. But here's what's going on right now. We have key committees in Congress that can't organize. They can't have a chairmanship race because we don't have a candidate for speak. You know, we haven't settled the speaker's race yet. So our agenda is stalled. They haven't hired staff. They haven't been able to put together a legislative agenda. They can't get subpoenas in order. So everybody wants investigations and to put border policies together and tax policy. We're stalled. We're sitting around shooting at each other while the Democrats laugh at what's going on. This is a joke. We had an election. You may not like the outcome. I don't like everything. But at the end of the day, it was a fair, transparent process. One person ran against McCarthy. They got 31 votes. Move on. That's how it works. And I guess my point to these five is, and I've asked them this on the show all the time, what else do you want? What, 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 you know, I've heard random suggestions about things. Most of it is silly stuff, to be blunt with you. And I say this because, for example, one of the demands is to, to a motion to vacate the chair. This is a rule that has been defunct for 200 years that they want to bring back that would allow any member of the House of Representatives on any day at any time to walk down to the well of the House and call for a motion to vacate the chair, i.e. the speaker. What do you think that AOC, Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, all your friends over there, Cory Bush from Missouri, <laughs> yeah. what do you think they're going to do? I mean, they're going to just walk down and do it every day. And so one of the members said to me the other day, so what? And I said, so what? What happens the day that you have five guys that have COVID, that they get sick, they've gone off to a family birthday party? They win that day. And then Hakeem Jeffries becomes speaker. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's two. What do you, I mean, no one is thinking this stuff through because here's what I want. I want to be getting policies together using the power of the purse that force them to deal with serious issues that are, that we're facing on the border. Title 42 ends in two, what, for, for three days, two days. I, I mean, I, I just, I feel like we, we, we ask the American people to give Republicans a majority so that we could show you that we are serious, mature, and that we can contrast the failures of this administration. And we're now going to sit around on January 3rd and for who knows how long, kind of play a little game of who can get, you know, the majority vote. And, Every day that we do that is a day that we're not organized, that we're not hiring staff, that we're not getting ready with subpoenas and getting legislation in order. 
And, and so you've wasted six weeks, seven weeks of time. And that's what it comes down to. You've literally wasted that amount of time. So for those people, I just say, I get your frustration, but either come up with a plan or get on board because we need to start acting with a team. Well, that, that's the part I've sort of been making a similar uh, call. What's the plan? Yeah. What, what is the other plan? And there is one is not one, which is why I think um, McCarthy's in, in the end going to win this. And it's just going to be a bunch of wasted time. I think you're right about that. It's in the end, the same result's going to happen and they've wasted uh, a pretty good window here. Sean Spicer back with us this afternoon. Uh, did you uh, look, I, I'm not saying January 6th for me was pretty, pretty disgusting. I'm moving on. And, of course, you have the House committee referring this to the Justice Department. What happens with this? Well, nothing happens with it because the Justice Department is conducting its own probe. They've already announced that they're having a special uh, counsel to look into this. Uh, And so nothing is going to happen. We've just created a show for the left-wing media. I mean, look, here's the other thing. I mean, and again, this isn't about, like like you, I was disgusted about what happened on on January 6th. I worked on Capitol Hill for quite some time, so it's a special sacred place for me. I don't take lightly what happened, but I think there is a judicial system for this. But to turn around and say one of the, the articles that they're referring to, the Justice Department is saying that President Trump incited an insurrection. I'm no lawyer, but here's my point. If he incited an insurrection, why hasn't one person been charged with insurrection? I mean, not one of the people that entered the Capitol has been charged by the Department of Justice for the U.S. Attorney's Office with insurrection. So if the president incited something, why hasn't anyone been charged with it? It just shows. Yeah, that's look, a good question. Two, two, yeah. two, two reporters last week, the TV critics for The New York Times and The Washington Post, named the January 6th committee hearings as one of the best shows on television. This shows you what they really – this was never intended to be serious. To your point, they've never called a witness to talk about security violations. They've never figured out why the Capitol Police responded in the way they do, why the National Guard wasn't able to respond in the manner it was. If you were serious, you would have talked about security concerns, but it doesn't happen again. They didn't. This was literally a sham committee set up to attack Donald Trump. Whether you like him or not, this was, this was never about getting to the bottom of the security failures and preventing it from happening again. So I, I, I just I think it is a huge disappointment, I, except if you are on the left. Then you get to, to, to see Liz Cheney and, you know, a bunch of these other folks make their speeches. But I, I, I think this is a massive waste of taxpayer time and money because we never actually found out where those security failures were and how to, how to prevent them. Absolutely. Sean Spicer, it is great to have you back here right before Christmas. What is Christmas in the Spicer household like? Do you have a couple, you have a couple <laughs> kids still in the house? <laughs> I do. I have two 11-year-olds. Uh, it is it is uh, chaos defined. Uh, it is and on the one hand, it's a very blessed time. We go to church um, and have a very you know, really get into the spirit of it, which is something that my wife and I really try to instill in our kids to remember why we're why we go. This season is so important. And then we also do do a big gathering as family. I mean, which it's an Irish Catholic family that uh, gets together, you know, over like a three day period and. Uh, well, enough of them are young enough that it, it, it wreaks a ton of havoc. But it's fun, it's chaotic, and uh, and 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 we still manage to get in enough time to to remember the reason that we're all doing this. Absolutely. Well, Merry Christmas, Sean, and thank you so much you for, too, for everything you do the past year. I really appreciate you coming on here, and good luck with everything in the new year. And we'll chat soon. Thank you. All right. Have a great one.
Take care. I love Sean Spicer. He's always so good to us, you know, and he um, he didn't mention it this time, but he would come to St. Louis quite a bit doing his National Guard work, and oh, he doesn't do neat. that again. But he's very good to 97.1 FM Talk, so I appreciate him coming on here right before Christmas. Rick Leventhal coming up. He was a Fox reporter for a long time, covered big, huge stories, wrote a book called Chasing Catastrophe. He's going to join us next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Yeah, tomorrow on the show, George Gray will be with us. Typically this time of year, George Gray works with Drew Carey on The Price is Right. He is the modern-day Johnny Olson. He's a good friend of mine, good friend of the program. And he has St. Louis roots, and he's a big Cardinals fan. So it was George's idea, I don't know, about a year and a half ago. He said, how about if we do something called The Price is Wrong, Mark, where I come in and we, um, we have a little fun with some items that we find on Craigslist. And we've been doing that. I think it's Facebook Marketplace at this point. And typically, George comes here for the holidays. He made the wise decision of, um, because he has a place in Arizona, he's staying in Arizona this summer or this winter, which is a good idea because look at the temperatures for this week. Anyway, he'll join us on the phone tomorrow, either from Arizona or from Hollywood. And we'll have a Price is Wrong mark in the 4 o'clock hour. We have an audio cut of the day before this hour is up. Rick Leventhal is my guest right now, retired senior Fox News correspondent. You've probably seen him over the years. He was a reporter for 35 years covering some of the biggest stories on the planet. And he's written a book called Chasing Catastrophe, my 35 years covering wars 
hurricanes, terror attacks, and other breaking news. Rick Leventhal, welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. I'm terrific, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on. The book comes out January 24th, but it's available for pre-order on Amazon, Chasing Catastrophe. Are, are you technically, and forgive me for, for asking this, are you technically in, in semi-retirement as a media person yeah. on air right now? I am. Uh, my wife and I, my wife, uh, a lot of people know her as Kelly Dodd from the Real Housewives of Orange County. Uh, she was on the show for five years. She and I do podcasts every day now on YouTube, on the Rick and Kelly Show YouTube channel. And we, it's called The Daily Smash, but we also have a weekly show. So we're busy. I'm busy. You know, I'm doing stuff I didn't, haven't done for 30 years, you know, setting up cameras, shooting, editing, feeding. But it's a lot of fun. But as far as, like, mainstream media, no, I, I – I left Fox uh, over a year ago, and, and I'm, I've just been relaxing and, and having a good time traveling, and, but also writing my book and now doing all these shows with my wife on YouTube. Awesome. Well, look, as I mentioned, there, there's some big stories that you covered over the years. Let's go back, though, to the beginning. How did this all start with you and um, being a reporter? Look, I went to journalism school at the University of Missouri. I was a radio reporter, anchor, did a little TV work in the past, never got to that, you know, uh, level with TV where I was doing news and reporting, sort of went the talk radio route, which I'm very happy with. But where did this all start for yeah. you? Well, I dropped out of college twice and uh, was hanging and finishing sheetrock with my buddy's dad's drywall company in uh, in the D.C. area. And I was a mess. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I finally went uh, back to school to a junior college and took a careers class and realized that journalism was a great path for me because I love to write and I, you know, acted. And I was always kind of a, a class clown. But, you know, I also did morning announcements in high school and, and work for the school paper. So it just all kind of came together. They had a two-year program in broadcasting and communications technology. And then I went on to American University, got my degree, interned at a local Fox station in the D.C. area, what well, was Metro Media at the time. And then I got my first reporting job in Columbia, South Carolina, a few months later after I graduated at the age of 27. And then that launched my 34-plus year career in TV news. You know, being a reporter, we got some good reporters here still in St. Louis. My my former station, CAMOX, I spent 16 years doing afternoon drive over there. We got some great reporters, luckily, that have hung on in a very tough media climate. But there's, there's a difference between, I think, just being around this industry for a long time, nothing against the people that sit behind the desk and are the anchors pitching to people like you, Rick, you know, in the field, in war zones and hurricanes. But yeah. it, it's a different beast, isn't it? It's a different animal being a reporter going out there and especially reporting live during these big storms. Stories. Oh, it's very different. And I, I have done my share of anchoring, mostly fill-in anchoring or overnights, you know, on big stories. Um, the best anchors, in my opinion, are the are the, the ones who were reporters because they've been in the field. They know how to put a story together. They know what uh, a great story uh, consists of. And then, you know, if you've been a reporter, now you're an anchor, you know what questions to ask. And if the reporter is not doing a good job, you can redirect them. You can you can sort of ask them about stuff they they neglected to talk about. Um, but it is a very different beast. It's a lot more stressful. There's a lot more work involved, a lot more deadlines. You know, it's not you're not doing one or two shows a day. You're doing eight, 10, 15 live shots in a day, depending on the story. And when you travel, like I did extensively uh, to, to, to hot spots, war zones, hurricanes, you know, there's, there are just incredible challenges. And, and one of the things that I think people will really appreciate about this book is, is the stories behind the story, you know, all that uh, behind the scenes stuff that you don't know about um, that I can 
you know, raise the curtain on. And so I, I do that. And I, and I share a lot of stuff that never made air, a lot of stuff that people probably wondered about and some stuff that people never knew about, you know, that, that uh, I, I think are, Jaws are going to drop when they read some of the pages in my in my book. Well, let, let's talk about a, some of the stories. And, and I, I got a PDF of the book. I have not been able to read it, but I was doing some, you know, investigative work on this. And one of the stories that you talk about is the Mississippi River Bridge collapse. And that was up in Minneapolis. And I'm thinking to myself, I remember that story. It was huge. That was like 12 years ago already, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I believe it was 2010. Um, some of them, you know, the dates get mixed up, but... You know, there's there's a story that came out of that 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 story. Uh, hang on, my wife my wife just came out of the store. We're, That's okay. We're running errands. We're in Palm Desert, um, but there there's a story that I'm gonna I'm gonna save for the book release. But uh, suffice it to say that it was one of the most shocking things I've ever heard that um, a law enforcement a decision made by someone in law enforcement uh, that never should have been made and. I only know about it because because of, I went to an NTSB training conference a couple of years after the bridge collapse. I was the only journalist in the room, and they were first responders, police captains, airport uh, supervisors, anyone who played a role in a breaking news story to coordinate response to a major incident. And these guys were telling behind-the-scenes stuff about major incidents, and most of them I had covered, like TWA Flight 800, other plane crashes, and the Minneapolis bridge collapse. And these guys got up there and told us about something that happened involving um, underwater recovery of bodies. I'll say that, that uh, people are going to be shocked, I think, to hear. Um, And I only heard about it because I was the only journalist invited to this training conference. And my understanding is after that that one year, they never invited another journalist back. And it was because of something that happened completely unrelated to this. That's also a story in my book that I think people will really get a kick out of. You were there, Rick, on the ground during 9-11, weren't you? Yeah, um, I was one of the first reporters to make it to the scene. I was there before the towers collapsed. uh, And I was just a couple of blocks away from the North Tower while it was on fire blazing. And and I had just come off the subway and, and ran a few blocks down there and and asked the policewoman who was at the at the last line of caution tape where you couldn't go any further. I said, what happened to the second tower? Because it got hit while I was on the subway going downtown. She said, that's where the second plane hit. And I just got chills. And I knew right away that we were under attack. And uh, being there on Church Street, just a few blocks north of the towers, as people were fleeing the dust clouds and, and trying to make sense of it all and report on it was Definitely the most challenging experience of my career. Look, you were in Iraq, right? You were in the desert in Iraq. Was that more daunting than even being there in a war zone or other war zones? Um, You know, the reason I went, I went to Afghanistan first, right after 9-11, because I was so mad about what had happened and and wanted to do whatever I could to try and, I don't know, fight the war on terror. I wasn't in the military, but I went and I embedded with Marines in Afghanistan in 2001. And then I went back with the Marines in 2003 to Iraq for, for many of the same reasons, but also because being a war correspondent to me was the, the most uh, challenging and most rewarding and most um, the, mo- the, the, the most important thing that I could do as a journalist was to be a war correspondent. And so I, I wrapped my arms around it. I went to Iraq, uh, I think, four, four or five times in Afghanistan, four or five times. I went to Libya twice. 
Uh, but I was embedded with the Marines for the march up from the Kuwaiti desert all the way to Baghdad. And, uh, and we were in firefights and we saw some, some pretty hairy stuff. Um, that was by far the most incredible experience of my, of my career. Chasing Catastrophe is the name of the book. It's out next month. My 35 years covering wars, hurricanes, terror attacks, other breaking news. I used to work with um, uh, Sherry Preston is her name. She's an anchor at ABC Radio News now. We worked together in Milwaukee. One of the things that Sherry always said, and I did not agree with her, is she wanted to cover a hurricane. Rick, she wanted to be down there like you were, and you see um, the guys from the Weather Channel, you know, braving the winds of Ian or something else. I think that's nuts, but you were were driven to it, I guess, doing what you did, right? Yeah, I was, and I got to say, it's. I love hurricanes. I chased dozens of them, um, and and it, it's just always an eerie feeling when you're heading to the coast and everyone's leaving town. Everyone's all the traffic's going in the other direction, and you're one of the only cars heading toward the beach where the hurricane's coming. Um, but I I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I love the thrill of it, the excitement of being in a storm. It can also be really frustrating when you're a hundred miles away because the storm shifts direction and you're kind of stuck there until after it passes through. Uh, you know, I'm not celebrating the damages hurricanes do, obviously it's, it's an awful um, natural disaster, but being part of it, being there and witnessing it, being in those high winds and, and, and just, you know, trying to report through it is, uh, it, Crazy. is an incredible yeah. experience. Crazy is the word I use. That is the word I use. <laughs> yeah, I, I detail a lot of them and a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff in the in the storms that I covered, including Katrina, Hurricane Andrew, Hurricane Hugo, and a bunch more. What in the, you know, I, I don't even know how to phrase this question, but what in the world has happened to actual journalism? That That's like a whole other book, isn't it? I, you know what? I think you're right. And I and I'm 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 figuring out what my next book will be, and that that's a really good one because you're not the first one to bring that up. By the way, um, we talk about it on our podcast, the Rick and Kelly Show, the Daily Smash on YouTube. We talk about that all the time. Uh, you know, just about how how no one covers real news anymore. There's so much opinion. Everyone backs off of the tough stories. You know, that, that social media buries stories that should see the light of day. Um, everything's being labeled misinformation when it isn't. Not everything, but some things are being labeled misinformation yeah, when right. they're not. And, and it, it is, there's not enough attention being paid to things that should have spotlights on them. And and we're seeing that over and over again. We're seeing how politics can affect uh, news coverage. And I don't remember it being like that before. Maybe I'm naive, but I've been doing this for over three decades. I've never seen uh, a news environment so fractured and so watered down and so uh, unwilling to to explore the the, the really no, I've tough stories and the tough questions. It's changed in the past few years. Uh, Rick Leventhal, thank you so much. The book is coming out very soon. It's called Chasing Catastrophe, My 35 Years Covering Wars, Hurricanes, Terror Attacks, and Other Breaking News. I hope Kelly got everything you needed at the store, by the way. Uh, well, she didn't get a prescription for some <laughs> reason. So oh. I don't know why, but... Yeah, uh, but we got a whole. We're doing a segment on a ninety-nine cent store here down, on the, near our our house for our show, and uh, it's going to be great. That's going to be on uh, on our uh, daily smash on Friday, I think. Well, Kelly, you were making all that noise earlier in the interview, but I'm going to let you go. Oh because my god, you're in I didn't store. know he was doing a thing. I was like, I didn't know what he was doing. I'm so sorry. I was I was opening up chips. <laughs> I had a stopper. It sounded like you were opening up chips. The audience probably could yeah. tell it. It's all good. Thank you for the time, Rick. Kelly, thank you so much. We'll check out the I'm podcast. So we appreciate it. It's okay. Have a great Christmas. Thanks, all right, take care. You, you too. too.
Happy you know, Christmas. Bye. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Sue, you, I think you walked <laughs> out of the room, but he, what was funny is I was actually going to tease Rick at the beginning. And my, my original plan, I'm not going to bring up the fact that he is married to a real housewife, Kelly Dodd, but he brings it up, humble brag, early, and then she steps into the car and she opens up a bag of chips, and it was like... <laughs> anyway, thank you to Rick and Kelly on 97.1 FM Talk. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, one of my favorites here. She used to do this on David Letterman every single year, darling. Love. Please come home for love Christmas. Love it. Great. I remember it was her last visit to Dave years ago when he was wrapping up the show. I only have one more day left here on this show that is named after me until I take a Christmas break. Sue is back from her vacation, so she'll be here the rest of the week. Fred and Abby are going to take some time off, but we will all be whole again after the new year. So we're going to have to kind of get through the next week and a half. But Can I'm I, so glad that you're back, Sue. I'm just going to tell you that. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, do you remember the Jay Thomas? That just made me think of Jay Thomas going on Letterman and telling the Lone Ranger story every December. Have you oh, ever yeah. heard that? Yes. That is one of my favorite all-time things. We might have to play that next week. We might have to because that brilliant. is it is brilliant. I kind of forgot. How long has Dave been off the air now? Do you remember? Ooh, because a, now it's it's been a while, right? Yeah. Go in I for can't. that. I have to Okay, do, I'm going. All you right. Check that. I have to do this here. Stand by. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. Right, sponsored by the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief as my watch starts to just talk to the microphone. 2015, that. that's when Dave left. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's yeah. been a little while. Mm-hmm. I have a fun audio cut of the day as well, but let me get to the one that's not so fun because I want to mock her. This is, uh, oh, we're doing St. Louis Proud again. Wash U Medical School professor Caitlin Reedy Rogier, who tells her students in class this. I have a really hard time being neutral around issues of systemic oppression, okay? So oftentimes you will know how I feel. Oh, wait, wait, let me, let me just clarify this, just in case you were wondering what her race was. She's a guilty white woman. I am always willing to engage in dialogue with folks that may disagree with me. Uh, or? Always. Uh, and I will not think less of you, nor will I try to fight you or debate you. And in fact, if you try to fight me or debate me, I will shut that down real fast. Okay, so a little conflicting messaging there. And so when we are asking you all to engage in this, we're really asking you to think about your own identities and what that means to be anti-racist, which is an active stance um, in medicine that we know has a really bad 
racism issue. Yes. And in fact, in seeking out medical needs, whatever you might be going through trying to get a diagnosis, please, ladies and gentlemen, remember, especially at this time of year, whether that physician is equipped with the right information, background, training and expertise to help you with your health issues is absolutely secondary to them being anti-racist. So just so you have that clear. But this is the fun one here because this is kind of incredible. This dude is 60 years old, Tom Cruise. And yesterday he films a video. Now I'm going to tell you, this is, this is more visual. I would encourage people to go seek this out and see it for yourself. He thanks fans for making Top Gun Maverick a top box office hit and he flings himself out of a plane and does a free fall over South Africa. Oh now, his voice gosh. sounds very strange here because his lips are literally flapping in the wind, Sue. Everybody! Here we are over Sunday, South Africa, and we're filming Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1 and 2. And I didn't want the year to end without thanking you all for coming out to the theater. And thank you for supporting... Chris McCory is the director of Mission Possible. Oh, yeah, we're filming. We gotta get this shot. All right, are you coming? Not on your life. Good luck. Okay. We'll see you down there. Whoa. He jumped out of the plane, and the camera is still going. We're supporting Top Gun Maverick. And always thank you for allowing us to entertain you. It truly is the honor of a lifetime. All of that he this was doing. That, he's doing that during the free fall. He's on his back. I get falling. it. I get it, but it's weird. Very lucky. I'm running out of altitude. So I better get back to work. We gotta get this shot. You have a very safe and happy holiday. We'll see you at the movies. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to give Tom Cruise credit because Tom Cruise, I think, saved the movies this year with uh, Top Gun Maverick. A lot of people fair. went and saw Avatar over the weekend. And I hope Hollywood, because I'm seeing all these artsy-fartsy awards-type films this time of year with social justice, anti, anti-racist anti oh, movies. I don't want to learn a lesson. Yeah, give I just me want something. to be entertained. Thank you. And Tom Cruise recognizes that. And that's why he wished his fans Merry Christmas. So there you go, Sue. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.